Hi, friends. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Good Morning Family, a podcast of my weekly sermons. Who knows? Maybe I'll throw in a special sermon for you every now and then. I hope this podcast is good news for you. If you find these words helpful, please rate and review my podcast on iTunes or on whatever host you found it. Thanks for your help and for being part of the family. And now, here's this week's sermon. Listen and enjoy. Good morning, family. Thanks for joining me today. Well, it's election week here in the States. Now, we're not about secular events, but this is a spiritual issue, and it is a fabulous opportunity for the people of God to trust Him as we discern the future of the nation. Looking back, you have to admit that the stories we've read over the past four weeks were pretty miraculous. The healing of Naaman, the multiplying of the widow's oil, resurrecting the dead son of a righteous woman, the rescue of the city of Samaria. Each story is a powerful example of God moving in unexpected ways, and in each one, no one saw God's salvation coming except the prophet Elisha. Now, there were a few people who believed that God could or would save and heal, restore and revive, and in each case, God did something that was surprising and counter to the ways of the world. Through these stories, we've discovered that God moves in ways that are beyond our ways. God has solutions and answers that we can't even imagine. All we have to do is trust Him. And I will confess to you that three weeks later, I am still blown away by the faith of the woman who, when her son died, in her darkest moment, had such a large faith in God that she could say, everything is okay. Is everything okay? That's a tough question two days before election day, isn't it? Will everything be okay? I want to have faith strong enough to declare that it will, but I struggle, don't you? Today I'd like to talk about why we should not worry about the election. And I have four different texts. Don't worry, they're short. Now, I'd like us to look at the book of Jeremiah. The prophet Jeremiah wrote the books of First and Second Kings that we've been reading. The book of Jeremiah is also his handiwork. It's a little more historical. He wrote about the fall of Judah and Jerusalem. First and Second Kings are collections of stories for the people of God who were living in exile so they would not forget who they were or who God was. So let's look at three short passages from Jeremiah. In each of these three passages, God is doing the talking. We'll start with Jeremiah 25, verses 8 through 10. Hear the word of the Lord. Therefore, this is what the Lord of heavenly forces says, Because you haven't listened to my words, I am going to muster all the tribes of the north, and my servant, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, declares the Lord, and I will bring them against this country and its residents, as well as against all the surrounding nations. I will completely destroy them, 
and will make them an object of horror, shock, and ruins for all time. I will silence the sounds of joy and laughter and the voices of the bride and the bridegroom. Yes, I will silence the millstones and snuff out the lamplight. Our second passage is found in Jeremiah 27, 4-7. With my great power and outstretched arm, I made the earth and its people and the animals that are on it. By my great power and outstretched arm, I have made the earth and the people and animals that are on it. I can give it to anyone I please. Now I hand over all these countries to my servant, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. I even give him the wild animals as subjects. All nations will serve him, his son and grandson, until the time for his land arrives. Then many nations and great kings will conquer him. Thirdly, let's look at Jeremiah 43, 9-11. Take some large stones and set them in the clay pavement in front of Pharaoh's palace at Taponis. That's a town on the Nile River Delta. While the people of Judah are watching, after that, say to the people, The Lord of heavenly forces, the God of Israel, proclaims, I'm sending for my servant King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, who will set his throne over these stones and will spread his canopy over them. He will come and ravage the land of Egypt, those marked for disaster to disaster, and those marked for exile to exile, and those marked for war to war. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Are you tired of all the campaign ads yet? I'm tired of the mudslinging and character assassinations. I'm sick of the arguing and bickering. I've had it with the mischaracterizing and misquoting on social media. With two days to go, I'm ready for it to be over. This election season has caused deep divisions and damaged relationships. It is terribly heartbreaking. As Americans, we see the issues discussed on the evening news or social media feeds, and we are ashamed and embarrassed. I'll admit, I am disheartened about our present and concerned about our future. In times like these, we must remember that God did not give us a spirit that is timid but one that is powerful, loving, and self-controlled. That means we have hope, even in a political season that seems hopeless. But I'm trying not to worry about who wins the election. Please don't misunderstand what I say today as an indication that I'm not concerned about the outcome. I am. I'm concerned about the fallout. I'm deeply concerned about the consequences and ramifications, but I'm learning, well, to be honest, I'm trying to learn how not to worry because of a lesson I find in our fourth text, and it's found in the Old Testament book of Daniel, and it reads like this, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are His. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and deposes them. Make sure you catch this. God changes the times and the seasons, and he sets up kings 
and he deposes them too. Now, I'm going to operate on the assumption and the hope that the word kings can also mean presidents. God appoints and deposes the rulers of the world. It's not the people. It's not the electoral college. It's God who sets leaders up, and it's God who takes them down. And that's not just here in the United States. The same can be said for every single nation on earth. I know that sounds a bit far-fetched, doesn't it? But here's what I've come to learn. Once a president, prime minister, takes office, they become a servant of God, whether they realize it or not. No one takes the reins of power without God's permission. Now, that's not an excuse for immoral or unethical behavior, okay? Please don't hear what I'm not saying. It's God who sets them up, and it's God who takes them down. Do you know where Daniel was when he wrote these words? He was in exile in Babylon. The Babylonians invaded Israel and dragged him off with thousands of his countrymen. And who was the king of Babylon? A man by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. Did you hear what Jeremiah wrote in those three passages we read a moment ago? Remember, in those three passages, we heard God speaking, not Jeremiah. And three times Jeremiah told us that God called the pagan Babylonian king, my servant Nebuchadnezzar. Can you believe that? King Nebuchadnezzar was known as the destroyer of nations. That was his nickname, destroyer of nations. No Nobel Peace Prize for him. This is the man who destroyed the holy city of Jerusalem, looted and burned the temple in Jerusalem, used the consecrated temple items for pagan worship, enslaved the brightest young men and made them eunuchs, and committed other atrocities. That was Nebuchadnezzar, the man that God called my servant. Do you remember Saddam Hussein from a few years ago? Do you know that he bragged that he was the reincarnation of King Nebuchadnezzar? That should give you an idea of the kind of personality we're talking about here. The people of Israel despised Nebuchadnezzar. He was evil. He was unclean, but three times God calls him my servant. Is he really a servant of God? Jeremiah says he is. By the way, the Hebrew word for servant used here is the word ebed, which means bond servant. That's a position of permanent servitude. A bond servant was the owner's personal property. Nebuchadnezzar was God's personal property. The king was in permanent servitude to God. Does that mean that whoever wins the presidency next Tuesday will be the permanent personal property of God? In the first passage from Jeremiah, God told his people that he was sending his servant, Nebuchadnezzar. In the second passage, God said, My servant is here. It's time for judgment. 
And then in the third passage, God provided a foundation for Nebuchadnezzar's throne. You see, God orchestrated all the events. God had his hand in the political affairs. King Nebuchadnezzar and every other king, queen, prime minister, and president are the servants of God. It's okay to admit that this is tough to understand. But we have a limited human perspective. God's perspective is much different. Remember, his thoughts and his ways are higher than ours. His understanding is perfect. His plan is eternal. Our field of vision is limited. But we believe that God is redeeming all of creation. Now, I'm not saying that it doesn't matter how or if we vote. I'm not saying that we can't make a good choice or a bad choice. We do have a responsibility, and I firmly believe that there are consequences for the decisions we make. But somehow, someway, God sets up kings and presidents, and he brings them down. They are the servants of God, whether they know it or like it or not. The President of the United States is a servant of God, like it or not. God sets up kings and he brings them down. They are his servants. Now, it may not be smooth sailing. There may be rough times. Jeremiah and Daniel both lived through horrible, terrible times. But these three things I know, no matter what happens on Tuesday and beyond, one, Jesus is Lord, not some earthly leader. There is only one God and Savior and everyone else serves him. Jesus will still be Lord, and God will still be God. Listen, if we let politicians and political parties and pundits shape our vision and perspective, if we let candidates shape our definitions of truth and success, that undercuts the lordship of Jesus in our lives. Only one shapes our vision and perspective. Only one defines truth and success for us, and his name is Jesus. Number two, our main citizenship is in the kingdom of God, which will outlast all other kingdoms and nations. Our kingdom doesn't elect leaders. Our kingdom doesn't take up arms. In fact, our kingdom lays down arms and takes up crosses. Now, unless I've missed my guess, that means we are in a unique position within this culture to be peacemakers, right? Not to be dividers, but to be healers, to be bridge builders. And thirdly, our chief identity is in the church of Jesus Christ and not some political party. We are to pursue the policies of Jesus because we are part of the great city on a hill that the book of Revelation describes. We are baptized into it. That is our identity. So what does all of this mean? Well, if Donald Trump wins, we will do this. Feed the hungry. Give drink to the thirsty. Free the imprisoned. Bury the dead. Shelter the stranger. Comfort the sick. Clothe the naked. And give vibrant, living testimony to our belief that Jesus is Lord. And if Joe Biden wins, we will do this. Feed the hungry. Give drink to the thirsty. Free the imprisoned. Bury the dead shelter the stranger, comfort the sick, 
and clothe the naked, all while giving vibrant living testimony that Jesus is Lord. Regardless of who wins, we're going to keep loving people even if, and especially when, they don't deserve it. Regardless of who wins, we're going to keep declaring that Jesus is Lord, that our citizenship is in God's kingdom, and that our identity is in the church of Jesus Christ. Because the better we know who God is, then the better we know who we are. Then the clearer and better we can see the world around us. The more we focus on Jesus, the more we fix our eyes on the one who is the author and finisher of our faith, the better we can see the world around us. Now, while I am concerned about the election and the country, I'm not worried because the God I serve has got it covered. It was Corey Tenboom who said it best when she said, Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Through Jesus, we can know God. That's why Jesus invites us to have a personal relationship with him. Come to me, all you who are struggling hard and carrying heavy loads, and I will give you rest. Put on my yoke and learn from me. I'm gentle and humble, and you will find rest for yourselves. My yoke is easy to bear, and my burden is light. God's ways are higher and better than our ways, so we can rest in Him, and we can be confident that He does all things well, whether we can see His salvation or not. Amen? Let's pray. Good and gentle God, there are times when our inner voice wants to have our say when we read and hear the news each day. And our first response is not always the best. That inner voice is us, not you, Lord. So we pray that we would live so closely to you, that we would know you so intimately, that your voice would become our inner voice. That we would follow you so closely that we could stand back, trust you, and see the ways where faith can step in and bring your wisdom, justice, peace, and love into these conversations and into these days of uncertainty and stress. We trust you. Help us to trust you more. And may the events of this week and our actions, thoughts, and words reflect your love. May we be instruments of your peace. May we practice grace and show mercy and bring healing to those around us. Because we're going to need it. May all we are and everything we do bring honor and glory to your name. Now, using the words debts and debtors, let us pray with boldness the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom 
and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, thanks again for joining me. You have three responsibilities this week. Remember who you are. Vote if you haven't already. And love at least three people and make sure at least one of them doesn't deserve it. Okay? Everyone needs to know that God loves them no matter what. Right? Don't let these crazy and uncertain days rob you of your joy. With Jesus, we always, always, always have hope. Now receive these words of benediction today. The Lord bless you and protect you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and grant you his peace. Amen? Amen.